time for the post-game drive. It's 2 in the morning. I'm Mitch Harper, your BYU insider for kslsports.com. BYU defeats Cincinnati 35-27 to in what was an eventful game. Early on, it looked like it was going to be a defensive slugfest slog of a game. But it had a lot of everything, including a long snapper recovering a fumble. It had it all. Again, for those of you new to this, I'm driving home from the stadium. I just pulled out of the parking lot, the west parking lot at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's 2.07 a.m. Mountain Time. Just got done. And to capitalize on all the time it takes me to drive from Provo to Murray, Utah, I'm going to talk about the game. It's hands-free. The mic is clipped to my shirt. We're good there. So hands are on the wheel. We're okay. We're being safe. We're being responsible. So I want to talk about the game. And again, if I get some of the numbers inaccurate, I have a good idea, but I'm not looking exactly at the box score. So just bear with me on that front as well. But it was a good win for BYU. In fact, I think it was a Uh, dare I say, a great win because, and it's great because it was a much-needed win. It was an underrated storyline that wasn't discussed much, but what just happened on Friday, that game, it was a must-win game for BYU. There's no doubt about it in my mind because three of the next four games on the schedule are away from Provo. You had to win this game. And the next four games are against legacy members of the Big 12, programs that have established themselves deeply rooted in the league. That would have been a tough task. You needed this win, and you already had one experience against a legacy member, and you lost. So to get this win on Friday night was a big deal for BYU. And now you go into the bye week 4-1, and one, one and one in Big 12 play, you're feeling good. I got to say, too, I was so close. It's amusing to me how so many people act like four and one was just this unattainable thing for BYU. I said in the preseason they were going to go five and zero to start. You can go look at the game by game predictions I put up on kslsports.com. I said five and zero. Then I said they were going to finish 7-5 and five because the last seven games are a gauntlet. It is. But 4-1, you got to feel pretty good about. And you got Friday's win after being down some personnel. Ben Bywater out with a right shoulder injury. Waylon Lopwaho out with a left arm injury. You still come away, away with a big win. BYU's offense that first half struggled mightily until that last drive of the second quarter. You know, the first drive, they showed some signs of promise, especially on the ground. And I like that they made a concerted effort to get some positivity, some momentum that the ground game could work. And I thought there was there were signs and that was a, that was a good start for BYU, but then it just kind of stalled. And Cincinnati's defensive line was was dominating. 
I like the resilience from BYU's offensive line. You know, Ian Fitzgerald, he's more of a second-team guy. He's not necessarily a starter, per se, but, you know, he comes in as that reserve, stepping in for an injured Waylon Lopuaho, and did a serviceable job. He had a penalty. He gave up a sack. But still, all things considered, I thought he did okay. I thought the offensive line made progress on Friday night, and I thought that was an important thing because they were kind of put on notice this week. It was put up or shut up time. And what I like, too, about coming out of this game with that win is that they did it against a good defensive line, a really good defensive line. I think that's one of the best defensive lines in the Big 12 this year. And I think that's something tangible that you can build on going forward into the coming weeks. Keenan Slovis continues to impress me. I think Slovis has been better than anyone could have expected from him as a BYU Cougar. Now, he, he had some passes that probably could have been turnovers. But I like what he's doing for BYU in the pass game. I mean, where would BYU be? without Keaton Slovis right now. You wouldn't be four and one. You'd probably be two and three, somewhere along those lines. Slovis has done an excellent job, and I think the, the connection he had with Chase Roberts on Friday was a sight to behold. I know that big, long pass play was likely intended for Kibo, Keanu Hill, but Chase, man, he turned on the Jets. He flew, and I thought that was great to see too because Chase is someone that I don't think you ever use the term fast burner when describing him. You, you use sure-handed, get to catch everything in sight. But he's got speed, and, and he showed it getting some of that yak yards after catch for that big 50-plus-yard touchdown grab from Keaton Slovis. But I, I just think that Slovis is a calm operator. And all the preconceived thoughts about him from his time at Pitt and USC, I kind of look back on that and just think, those were toxic situations. You know, he was at USC, and the fans didn't want him or anyone at USC to win because they hated Clay Helton so bad. And Pitt was just an utter mess, and they continue to be a mess this season. I just have been impressed with Slovis, and I think he's going to continue to get better. You know, he's taken some hits. And he continues to get up. I, I get a little bit, you know, it, it, it's it's a little bit nerve-wracking when he's taking those shots, especially when it's a design trick play and L.J. Martin's passing the rock to Slovis and he's just in open season about ready to take a big hit. You'd probably want to avoid that because I think the drop from Slovis to Retzlaff is pretty significant and you can't afford to lose Slovis under any circumstances, but he has been a big reason why BYU is at 4-1. I think L.J. Martin doing a great job, only 18 years old, a true freshman. What a start to his BYU career. Martin had two touchdowns on the night. He's just a calm operator, and, you know, he's going to be someone that can get tough yardage. There's probably times where he's, you know, running the wrong route, making the wrong assignment, got to improve in pass protection, blocking. But I just like his game. He's got great instincts, great feel for the game. And when he gets out in the open field, it is a lot of fun to watch. And I just think he's only going to get better and better and better in his BYU career. 
And if he can stay healthy, he looked like it towards the second half, early in the fourth quarter, looked like he got banged up just a little bit. He came back in the game, but just kind of like something to, some, something to monitor there a little bit going forward with LJ Martin. But it looked to be okay. He spoke in the post-game press conference, seemed to be fine, and uh, nice game for him. As again, Aiden Robbins continues to be on the mend. He's banged up. He was at the game talking with LJ in pregame and throwing some passes to him, being a good teammate. And LJ is making the most of his opportunity. How about seeing Miles Davis and Kalani Satake in the postgame even acknowledged how proud he is of Miles for basically, you know, overcoming the adversity he's faced. You know, Miles Davis was just kind of left for dead. He was not even a thought in anyone's mind at the running back room once Aiden Robbins joined, LJ Martin joined, Deion Smith joined, Hinkley Ropati was in the mix. Miles Davis was about fifth or sixth running back, scout team guy. Wasn't even on the travel roster. And now he gave you some nice snaps. That wasn't anything groundbreaking, but he's got ability. And he had that game last year against Wyoming. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a number one running back. But there's no reason why he can't be number two. I think he might be a better run threat as a backup than Deion Smith. Deion Smith's a good pass catcher. They got to utilize him more in that regard. But Miles Davis continued to use him. You know, it's one thing that I never like from any coaching staff, whoever it is, and this goes for all programs, just don't forget the personnel you've got. Miles Davis has given you a sample size, even though it's one game, that he can get it done at this level. So I, I like that he contributed and Kalani did as well. I think he's got to factor into the rotation going forward because you don't know how long Aiden Robinson's going to be out. He's kind of one of the injuries that, you know, could be long-term. You know, there's there's optimism, but it just seems like there's already five games down. You're at the midway point almost. I mean, you go another three, four weeks, you're talking game eight, game nine, and season's almost cooked. He does have one more year, Aiden Robbins does, but so you got to find other options to give a breather to L.J. Martin, and that was a nice luxury for BYU on Friday night. I thought the defense performed well, too. You know, they, they gave up some quarterback runs to Emory Jones, and that's something they, they got to get fixed. There were some drives where, you know, Cincinnati picking up third downs, pick up a fourth down. They had a 17-play drive that was capped off with a touchdown. That was the one that tied it up 7-7. Seven to seven. You know, those are things that have got to get fixed for BYU. That, that's got to end letting these long drives happen. It doesn't happen as much as last year, but that was kind of flashbacks of what's happened in the past for BYU, and, and that's just not good enough. You know, if you do want to be an 8-9 win team navigating the Big 12 Conference, that's not allowed. So it's just one of those things where you don't let that happen ever. And they had a setback, and that's what caused Cincinnati to get on the board and, and score the four first offensive points of the game. But credit the defense, though, for getting the first overall points on the board, that courtesy of Jacob Robinson. How impressive has this guy become in the secondary? You know, I never looked at Jacob Robinson when he signed with BYU out of the portal 
as a future lockdown corner. Remember, he came to BYU as a safety, kind of a nickelback. And that first year at BYU, he kind of struggled. You know, he played a lot, but he was getting burned in coverage, not playing well. And he's just, they've stuck with him, and it's paying off. He's outstanding for BYU. He's a playmaker. He gets a pick six for the Cougs. Seventh career interception, first pick six of his BYU career. I, I really like Jacob Robinson. He's a man of few words. He's a quiet guy, but he is a dog in that secondary. It's been interesting staying, staying in the secondary. A lot of people had commentary about, where's Eddie Hecker? Last week at Kansas, he was out for a few plays. He was never looked at by the trainers, so I didn't understand why people were you know, paranoid that he was injured. Now, he could be dealing with some nicks and bruises that it happens. I mean, again, five games into the season, no one's a clean bill of health, honestly. Everyone's got a little bit of banged up, this and that, going through a Big 12 football season. But it was interesting to me on Friday, it felt like Heckard was getting rotated more in this game where you know the first couple games and i'd have to go back and check but it just kind of the feel of the game felt like heckard was going out a lot more than in weeks past and is there a snap count on on heckard are they kind of ballparking at that if they do that means he's kind of banged up so something to kind of keep tabs on i'll have to get more info on that regarding heckard moving forward but i just thought that was kind of interesting how often he comes out because to me Heckard's one of those guys when he's at his best and he's a clean bill of health you don't let him leave the field very often you know Camden Garrett's good Jacob Robinson's a stud but Heckard you want there too and so that that's something I'm kind of curious to see going forward but uh, Heckard continues to make plays there was one he had a pass breakup so but he didn't seem as quick and as, as, as speedy as, say, he looked at Arkansas when he's coming up with the forced fumble that ultimately led to the win for BYU. thought the linebackers, in replace of Ben Bywater, did a really nice job. Harrison Taggart, 10 tackles. Vong Fachon, 10 tackles. Max Tooley, my goodness, this dude made a statement from the get-go. He was smacking smacking people 16 tackles for mad max max Tooley had a big game he felt like he could have maybe had 22 25 there were some missed opportunities there i love the way that he's playing he's gotten a lot better this season and hey it was critical too for him to play at that level on friday because without ben bywater that was a like a quarterback of the defense you know ben bywater has learned a lot about Jay Hill's defense in short order, which is impressive for Ben because he missed all of spring, just like Max Tooley. Both those guys put in the necessary work to learn what Jay Hill expects, but also too, Jay Hill allows these guys to make plays where they're not overthinking and they can be li true linebackers where they're improvising and they're going off their instincts too. And, and Max does a great job at that. But I love some of the hits he was putting on people. There was one near the sideline where I thought, uh, might have been a late hit. They didn't call it that. It was close. It was a bang, bang. I was like, oh, boy. But Max avoided that. And uh, 
BYU got off the field. So big game for him. Big game for Tyler Batty, too. Seven tackles, one sack, one tackle for lost. Tyler's playing the best football of his career. Obviously, I talk with him every single week on Cougar Tracks, get to know Tyler, and I can just tell with his body, everything about him looks like an NFL player right now. He looks like an NFL draft pick. Last year, it just it was not – the talent has always been there for Tyler. It's always been there. But they are maximizing his potential. You know, and it, it's interesting to me – and I haven't really gotten into this with Tyler. What does someone like him do? I, I feel like he's got to go to the NFL after this year because he's older. When you're not a quarterback, you've got to move on. And you've got to put your hat in the ring. If you've got your undergrad, you got to move on. But I just feel like you don't want to be, unless you're putting up the massive numbers. I know stats aren't everything when it comes to NFL evaluations. But it just feels like if he doesn't put up those huge numbers, is he going to be a high enough draft prospect? Or is he someone that's waiting in sixth, seventh round? I'm curious to see that. I feel like Batty's got the ability on the high end to be like a third, fourth round pick if a team really believes in him. And he has a great combine and he interviews well. I think he'd do that. There's a lot to like about Tyler Batty. And I just think that he we're seeing every single play setting the edge we're seeing an NFL player at the end and it's great to see because BYU hasn't had legit DNs in a long time long time you got to go back to probably Ziggy and, and Tyler's not a Ziggy but dang he's pretty good and so is Zabania Zabania's having I think he's getting better week after week becoming an all-around defensive end, seven tackles for him as well. There was a lot of opportunities for these defensive players to get tackles on Friday night. And tackles aren't the end-all, be-all, because sometimes you go, why don't you get off the field? Why don't you have to get all those tackles to begin with? But Jay Hill, man, he finds ways. doesn't matter who, which personnel's out. They're finding ways to get wins. And that was a much-needed win against the Cincinnati team that I look at in the Big 12, I said Cincinnati would go winless in the Big 12 this year. They're a stout team, but I don't know who they beat in the Big 12 this year. I just, I don't. I don't know if they've got the talent to, it's at the key on the offensive side to win many ballgames. They got a good ground game. Got some good running backs. And that's the thing about this league in general is that they'll, they'll be their spots. Every team's got their position groups where you go, that's a pretty stout group. But as a collective whole, I just I don't see anything elite from Cincinnati's offense that says they're going to win many ballgames in this league. I'd be surprised if they go bowling. But regardless of what happens in Cincinnati in the end of the season, that doesn't take away from what the game and the win for BYU means on Friday night. And again, BYU no longer operates in a world where you have to go, well, hopefully Cincinnati wins out and does good for us. No, BYU controls its own destiny. And I think you saw the perks of being in a conference for how BYU responded this week, both from the players, the coaches, and the fans. You think about it, Cougar Nation. 
after one loss in so many games in the independent era, how many times the following game in a home game where you'd show up to LES, it'd be about, you know, 54,000, 55,000 empty corners. It wouldn't be packed capacity crowd because one loss happened. And the season, in essence, was kind of shot. Now, everyone spun it. And look, I've always been the, of, of the belief, just no matter what league, what setup you're in, and I believe this in independence, you want to go out and win that game. Even if you go 11-1 and one, you're in the toilet bowl, you still want to go win that game. But just the intensity, the meaning, the purpose of the games just didn't have much on the line. It was an exhibition, and I think having that conference component this week was a great motivator for this team because in years gone by you'd go we'll start coming off what does the game mean that happened it happened to fall a lot more often than i think any of us realized to be quite honest with you so i think that this team was focused they were dialed in because you're in a league and byu is in a schedule where you control your destiny still you're playing Texas and Oklahoma. You control your future. So everything's still in front of you as a team. And even though you had one loss, there was no need to panic and, and worry about the season. They just went to work and they got a blue collar win over a Cincinnati team that, you know, I don't know if they're going to a bowl, but I think that no matter what, that was a good win for BYU. And like so many in the Big 12, in 60 minutes, anything can happen with any of these teams. I think the worst team in the Big 12 right now is probably Oklahoma State, but I kind of feel uh, kind of icky about saying that because I still believe Mike Gundy's a good enough coach where he can get six wins. He's always gone to bowl games. He just he does that like clockwork. Houston maybe. But even Houston got some nice skill talent. It's just a intriguing league where you just don't have a total deadbeat. You don't have a, a, a Northwestern that you just say, that's a one-win team at best. There's none of that in this Big 12. And that's one of the things about this league that makes it entertaining is that if your worst team, potentially, is maybe like a Cincinnati or an Oklahoma State, there's some pretty good depth in the Big 12. And the leader of that conference was on display on, on, on attendance Friday night, Brett Yormark. He was there. Uh, big deal having him at the game. And, you know, look, his team, they've been going all these games. They'll probably be back in town next month for Big 12 homecoming. BYU's next home game will be Big 12 homecoming when they host Texas Tech in Provo. But Yormark takes in his second BYU football game in both times. BYU comes away victorious. So maybe Brett Yormark's the key to BYU getting dubs over Big 12 teams. Maybe. I don't know. First Big 12 win, though, for the Cougs. And that should be celebrated. Now, though, if you're noticing, BYU could start shifting away from first. And let's just settle in now. Let's just see BYU settle in the kind of the structure, the makeup of the Big 12. I feel like everyone's still kind of in this 
honeymoon phase where they got to have these good first impressions. I was talking with Matt Biamonte after the post game. He's like, it still feels like BYU's kind of in that, you know, barely just got married stage where everyone's trying to act like they're their best behavior. Like, hey, let's just get comfortable now. You're in this thing. Just be who you are. Just enjoy it. But I did like all the Big 12 elements to Friday night's game. The halftime show, BYU's band performed all 14 fight songs. I thought that was kind of cool. There was a commemorative full-size football celebrating the inaugural season of the Big 12 for fans to purchase. There was Big 12 cups, like everywhere. And you know what? I like that BYU is leaning in and letting the Big 12 know they want to be in this league. And they love being in this league. It's great. I mean, just think about the stark difference between them and Utah and Arizona State and how they're viewing the Big 12. It's just BYU wants to uplift the Big 12. And, you know, Brett Yormark probably never in his wildest dreams thought he would spend a Friday night in his life in Provo, Utah. But, dang, that was a rocking atmosphere. 63,000-plus, biggest crowd in LES since 2009. That's 14 years ago. I mean, when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that was, what, five years ago? I mean, I mean I'm kidding, but still, like, 2009 feels in some ways yesterday and sometimes in some ways it feels like it was 100 years ago how much has changed in college football. But 14 years, you didn't have a crowd like that at any point in independence. That was a big-time crowd. It was a rocking crowd. It was an engaged crowd. And having a conference just brings that extra sizzle to the game. Because before when you play Cincinnati... You go, uh, what does this mean? I've learned more and more by doing this job that people need to know what's on the line. What's at stake? I can't tell you, you know, that was the thing with WCC basketball. Well, hey, that's, you know, Ken Palm 100 team. Eh, it's still San Francisco. Well, they got Jamari Boye. It's still San Francisco. You know, you're in a league that no one knows anything about. You don't need to educate fans about the Big 12. You don't need to tell people a conference title in the Big 12 would be something special. That right there alone, even if they don't know a thing about Cincinnati Bearcat football, that adds sizzle to the matchup. And that's what it was. And that was an entertaining game. Big 12 games with BYU... They're just going to be competitive, entertaining football games. Like BYU and Kansas last week. No one was looking at college football playoff teams between those two. Nor were you with Cincinnati-BYU. But you see two football teams, pretty evenly matched, duking it out. It's good football. It's fun football. And you don't know what's going to happen. It's not like the SEC where you got five of these teams are going to just bulldoze through everyone, and you know what's going to happen. Say with the Big Ten. Big 12's good football, man. I enjoy it. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching this conference. And look, they've had some terrible losses this year. Terrible. And it's a down year, honestly, by Big 12 standards. But 
It's just a fun league where you don't know what's going to happen from week to week. And I think that's half of the entertainment with the league. Now, they're going to want more wins. They're going to want some bell cows to emerge after Texas and Oklahoma. But it's a fun league, and BYU's leaning in on it. And BYU now can enjoy and kind of spectate some of the Big 12 action as they've got the next two Saturdays off. they got today as it's 2.35. I'm near 123rd South. They get to enjoy some football, watch some general conference as well, too. And then next Saturday, they're off as well. So that's going to do it for me as I'm getting closer to my exit. No Cougar Sports Saturday because of general conference. So enjoy your conference weekend. Come back on Monday night. KSL News Radio, 6 to 7, Cougar Nation. Be taking your phone calls reacting to the BYU-Cincinnati game, getting you ready for the bye week, and looking ahead to the TCU Horned Frogs. How about that? BYU and TCU back at it again like they never left. Whew. It's good times, man, in the Big 12. So we'll do that on Monday, and then next week we'll have another Cougar Sports Saturday again, and we'll have more Cougar tracks throughout the week. As we're not slowing down, we'll have some BYU basketball content, too, coming at you next week as well. So stay tuned for that. This has been the Cougar Tracks Podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com.